I think about the biggest inefficiency and something I've done a lot more of lately, it's injury reports, um, really focusing on offensive lines, pass rush secondaries. Like, are there cluster injuries there um, that you're not going to read about really anywhere? everybody welcome to props and hops a betting and beer podcast powered by dimers.com and part of blue wire hustle i'm matt landis and this week's episode is part one of two from my in-depth conversation with sports handicapper cleave ta we break down how to find value betting on nfl futures and against the spread including trends and how they're often but not always useless we discuss how sharp betters use trends as a filter and how that filter shapes key criteria for futures bets such as the MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year markets. We also touch on Cleve TA's single biggest misconception when it comes to NFL teams relative to their stats, as well as how to really read injury reports and gain an edge by paying attention to undervalued positions. We also go behind the scenes on what it's like for Cleve TA working with prominent NFL analyst Warren Sharp and consulting NFL coaches and teams themselves, and we dig into Cleve TA's background and how he balances all this with a full-time day job. It's a true inspiration to those of us who also do betting on the side. One quick housekeeping note before we cut to the interview, if you'd be interested in free picks driven by analytics and thousands of simulations, check out the cutting edge quick pick section at dimers.com. You can find a link in the show notes, so give it a look to see where you want to get down on the Dimer Spot's biggest edges across all the biggest sports. And now, enjoy part one of my conversation with sports handicapper extraordinaire, Cleve T.A. Cleve TA, welcome to Props and Hops. Thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation. It's an honor to connect. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, sounds like you've got uh, between the, the props and the hops, it sounds like you've got some interesting topics. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, try to keep all the bases covered and uh, trying to do so at a pretty high level. So that makes you a great person to bring into the fold here. And I'd love to start out just by digging into your background a little bit, maybe starting back as far as the first bet you can remember making and then how your journey has taken you to where you are today. Yeah. So, uh, wow. First bet. I didn't know we're going to go that far back. That's It was probably in college. Uh, went to Ohio State. And um, I think the first bet was a uh, college basketball um championship game uh in probably the late 90s but i can't i can't remember i think it was like michigan state florida maybe it was something like that i think it was mateen cleaves uh um mo peterson time frame but um yeah i never really bet on sports or bet on anything really until i got to college and was in my fraternity and you know a bunch a bunch of guys uh that love sports in our fraternity and a couple of them had a had a local bookie at the time so i said oh what is this i can bet on sports i love sports so um you know did it a little bit and then uh my senior year started betting more nfl and you know uh, like you'll hear probably from everybody else you lose a lot early you kind of take your take your lumps early which i did for a number of years uh but it got me more motivated to kind of work harder especially in the nfl um, and, uh, you know, refine my process and figure out kind of what works and what doesn't, um, you know, there's obviously a huge difference between just an avid sports fan and someone who you know can actually bet and look at lines. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of how I started. And, 
Um, you know, just to be upfront, you know, I'm not a professional. I don't do this full time. I do this kind of part time. I have a full time job in finance. I'm in the investment investment world. I have my MBA. So that's why I try to keep my anonymity a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to say I have a, um, a pretty good job. Um, so I've been doing it for a number of years. So it's really hard to imagine leaving it to do something like this full time. And, you know, not to get too much into the weeds, but I do come from a conservative family. Um, and so this isn't something that <laughs> I'm sure they would be really happy with. And um, they don't even know I do this. And I've ever made a bet in, on a sports game, to be honest with you, um, which is funny looking, um, considering it's been about 20 years, but um, I kind of I try to keep that as separate as possible. So that's why, you know, it, to me, um, you know, I'm more of a um, I do it on the side. I think I'm pretty good at it, but um, I don't do it full time and don't really expect to do it full time ever. Yeah. Wow. That sounds fascinating. And I'm reminded a little bit of a conversation with a recent guest on the show, the sports cheetah, Preston Johnson. And he's gotten to the point where his family is aware of everything, but he also mentioned a lot of trepidation when he started out in sports betting and, and not wanting to really tell anybody. And fortunately, when he broke the news, it was well received enough to the point that he could continue to progress. But that trepidation, I think, can be uh, pretty relatable to a lot of people. And and sometimes you tell people and it works out great. Other times, if you don't need to, then, you know, what other people know doesn't hurt them as long as it's something that you're not risking anything that you can't afford to lose. And in a case like yours, you're actually, it, it sounds like probably coming out quite a bit ahead. And, and then there's nothing really to lose in that sense. Yeah. And I just, to be honest, and this isn't against anybody else who does this professionally, I just don't feel like if you're in that kind of mode, almost like you're in a risk mode every day of your life, like everything, you know, your, your, um, your income is a hundred percent reliant on, you know, hopefully better than a coin flip, but you know, 55%, um, flip. It's just like, I, I like being comfortable. I have, like I said, I'm lucky enough where I have a really good job. I have a nice paying job. I make a good salary. I've got built up enough equity with my career that, you know, I don't, even even if I think I could make more money doing it, it's not worth that that risk. And um, I'm doing just fine as it is being um, kind of having it as a supplemental income. Um, and again, with the with family situation and um, you know what, what my background is, just not something that um, you know, I necessarily feel comfortable with overall uh, becoming full time at. So I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at, uh, doing it how I'm doing it, doing it part time. My job is flexible enough where you know I have the time in between you know deals in the real world to, uh, um, to do research and to, um, you know, to write about it a little bit and, and to do, um, some of the, uh, some of the handicapping I do. So, um, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at, but yeah, it's not, not the same for everybody. Um, and maybe if this was 20 years ago, you know, maybe if, if I was a 24 year old kid in, uh, 2021, things could have been different, you know, before my career kind of popped and before the social media and Twitter really evolved, things could have been different, but, uh, but that's kind of here, you know, where we are at this point. So uh, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Well, well, I would love to touch on something that I plan to maybe circle back on later, but with the full-time job and balancing betting at a very high level, I know a lot of your work in the NFL has been valuable to my process, but also working in golf and basketball, how how do you approach juggling everything, not just from a risk tolerance standpoint, but just the logistics of covering all your bases? <laughs> it is hard. And I, there are times where I wish I you know, said, oh, maybe I should just quit my job because I would love to do this full time, especially with golf. I mean, I, I feel like I've done very well with golf and I think it's beatable if you do the work. Um, and, you know, there's things I'm probably missing out in terms of uh, I probably should do more in terms of matchups and, you know, maybe more of my bankroll should be, um, you know, invested in this. But 
And like I said, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable with the risk I'm taking. Um, but it is difficult. And, and there are times, you know, uh, in the business that I'm in, in the field that I'm in, you know, we do deals, but deals are, you know, you got a lot of, you do a lot of diligence, a lot of work leading up to it. And then once you close it, it's just kind of like, you can't do anything about it. So you just kind of wait it out. And it's a lot of kind of monitoring and, um, you know, you're not really um, doing work every minute of the day. So I have that freedom to juggle. Um, there are times it gets very busy in my, obviously my, my real, uh, real work. So I can't do as much as I'd like, but I try to fit it in at night and, you know, on weekends and, you know, as you know, I'm a very big into um, multitasking. You know, I have multiple monitors up one that's kind of all, all work related, um, answering emails and, and doing all my work there. And then next second I'm looking at Twitter and, oh man, I'm going to go look up, you know, um, some of these golf stats, you know, it's like, I'm just kind of going back and forth, but I juggle as best I can. I'm so used to it now. Um, and being, you know, that I'm, yeah, I am remote. My home office is not even in the same city that I'm in, you know, uh, as long as I get my work done, they don't, they don't know any better and they don't, I don't think they care. So, and I've been, I've been at this firm for a while. So, um, you know, it, it's been okay. Now the, the, third leg of that is family. And I, you know, I just got married two years ago. I've got a, um, you know, going to be a one-year-old coming up. So that has obviously taken up a little bit more of my time. So I've had to juggle even more. So I've gotten away from, you know, I used to, like I said, I think golf and NFL are my two biggest, or I've, you know, maybe my edges or I've done the best. Um, you know, I used to dabble in college basketball regular season and a little bit in baseball and some other things. And, you know, it's because I had the time to do it. And now it's with all that, that's gone. I don't do any of that. I do some college basketball and NBA, like, you know, playoffs and tournament, but, you know, regular season stuff, I don't have time for that. Baseball, I don't even look at it. I haven't made a baseball bet in probably two years. So it's like, you know, I've, I've been able to cut out some of that fat. And that's actually it's been better for me because those are those are the the sports that I don't do as well because I don't have the time to really put in uh, put into those sports. So, um, it's helped me focus, I think in the last year or so, um, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's really how I do it, is I have a, a little bit more freedom with, with my work, but, uh, it's not always easy. You're trying to fit in as much as you can and have a, have a social life too. And, you know, I think the pandemic has helped because I, we've been stuck at home for the last year and change too. So, uh, but we'll see, um, uh, what happens going forward, but I, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. That was one thought I had when you were mentioning, the flexible work situation, the pandemic has just been tough enough on so many levels, but if we can take any silver linings, then I feel like we might as well take those and run with them. And, and having that flexibility, going back to your earlier point, if you're early on in your career, maybe early to mid twenties in 2021, and you have that work flexibility from the outset, then maybe that could change your trajectory as right. you look at your future career in betting. But yeah, being mid-career, still having something you know strong and reliable to lean back on and pursuing this on top of it, um, I, I definitely see where that can play into um, fitting nicely into a more balanced risk approach. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not in a sales job either. So it's not like I feel like sales job is almost like betting and that you're, you know, every dollar is based on close, you know, selling this item you know you may have a, a bad quarter here and there i'm, I'm pretty i have a pretty reliable income so uh, that's another reason why i kind of like where i'm at but uh but yeah the um it, it is interesting i have friends who who sit there and say how do you do all this like how do you have a real job while you're you're researching all you know nfl and golf and, and nba and you know like i'm working on you know non-betting related stuff i'm working on you know i want to always wanted to do um nba kind of draft preview um, using some some analytics and some historical uh, information. I've been kind of digging deep the last couple of weeks on that because it's something I've wanted to do 
Um, so I kind of try to fit that in as well. So it's, it's, it gets difficult, but I'm just used to it now. And I just, I just multitask all the time. And, um, it just, you know, just something that I guess, um, is a skill that I'm, I'm proud of. And I guess not everybody is able to, to have, I know some people are very focused on one thing and they can't do anything else. So, um, I guess it's, it's a skill that, uh, that I'm, you know, luckily uh, I'm able to have that. Yeah. Might as well play to your strengths. And I also, uh, on this note, I think that, uh, backing up a bit to some of the recent guests I've had on the show, it's been so awesome to feature some professional betters. The level of insight they've provided has been invaluable. And at the same time, I, I love bringing in somebody who has a really sharp mind for this stuff, but it can also be, I think, so much more relatable. Most people listening to this, uh, probably everybody listening to this, would never be on the cusp of becoming a professional better. So there are things to learn about that balancing act and, you know, cutting the fat, as you mentioned earlier, playing to your strengths. And to that end, I think one of your bigger strengths when it comes to your reputation in this space is your work with sharpfootballanalysis.com and the Sharp Angles podcast. To call Warren Sharp prominent in the betting space would probably be a pretty big understatement. So I'm curious as to how you got started working with Warren and his team and how that journey has maybe changed you as a better. Yeah. So it's interesting. So we both kind of had similar paths, you know, where, you know, he had a full-time job, he had another career, um, but he just like me, you know, loved sports, loved betting. So he was doing that on the side and he was doing very well, especially NFL totals. That was kind mm -hmm. of his calling card. And, um, you know, I think it was, you know, a handful of years ago, we, we started following each other and we would DM each other kind of information and thoughts and, um, and then he started, you know, started getting more notoriety a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, we just tend to have a lot of similar thoughts when it comes to things like play calling and, um, you know, uh, the way that, uh, you know, coaches should be calling, calling games and just what some things that teams are not doing, a fit, you know, um, uh, you know, positive EV type of move. So, um, you know, we kind of had that mutual respect. And a couple of years ago, I just DM'd him one summer. I was just kind of in the mood to, Hey, I want us to do something different. You know, I want to kind of make that leap into um, maybe doing something a little bit more hands-on, um, more formalized and just kind of doing, you know, uh, what I was, what I was doing, which was just purely betting for fun <laughs> betting on kind of the side. And so, you know, I DM'd him and say, Hey, I'd love to, you know, do something together. Uh, let's work together. And he said, you know, that's interesting that you sent me this message at this time because I just quit my full-time job and I'm doing this full-time now. I'm um, going to start up a website um, he got some backers, um, you know, starting a betting site with some fantasy analysis and some other, so you know, another uh, set of analysis. And um, at the same time, he started consulting for you know, NFL teams. Um, and he, you know, kind of had two sides of the business and thought that that was the time for him to go ahead and do it full time. And you know, it was good timing on my part to kind of reach out. And he said, "Yeah, like you know, let's talk. You could talk to some of my guys and." You know, if, it, if, you know, I have, a, I have a respect for you and what you've done. And he's been, he would follow, follow me for a couple of years before that. Um, so we, we kind of got going that way. And then I started, you know, writing for his site. Uh, but then also, you know, we, we talk out uh, games every week, kind of games that I like, games that his guys like. And, you know, he's got intel into different uh, betting groups that, you know, I never had before. Um, that was interesting. So we would share notes there and, um, he would ask me why I like certain games and I'll ask him, you know, why do those guys like those? You know, it's, it was a good exchange of information that we, that we go through every week, um, during the season. Um, and then, you know, I also helped him, um, you know, with some of this consulting with, uh, some of the teams or, 
there was an article a couple of months ago that kind of let the cat out of the bag with with one of the teams, but uh, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about it. it was signed an NDA, so I can't even discuss it even if I wanted to. Um, but uh, you know, I'll just say we did it. We've been doing it for two years. The, the first year, the team followed a lot of the stuff that we were um, giving them, and it really was just scouting the opponent's defense. So every week, we would give kind of a 10-page report. Here's what that defense has been doing. Here's some of the trend lines. Here's some of the personnel groupings. Here's some of their tendencies, whatever, you know, it's kind of like a, um, um, a quality con uh, control coach does for these teams, but a little bit more expansive, um, some charting things and whatnot. And so, um, you know, we, we did that um, for two years and, you know, the team was, was applying it the first year, the second year they did not. And, um, you know, the results kind of showed <laughs> um for what it's worth so um on top of that i was you know so i was helping him with those reports um he also has the, the ear of a couple of offensive coordinators around the league that are not you know they're not formal deals that he signed up but but they do discuss things on a weekly basis and they'll have some one-off um research assignments and things like that that they want information on that you know he'll send over to me and i'll kind of run for him so it's been kind of a really interesting couple of years working with him uh, from that perspective and that's something that i'm really interested in is you know working for for a team eventually that would be awesome not sure i could ever get there um but uh but that's something that's always been a goal so you know both working on the site itself um kind of giving them some some content on the betting side but then also doing a podcast which is great with with Rich Rebar and Dan Pizzuto, those guys are really good, really know their stuff. Um, but then also working, you know, working with Warren, um, consulting with some of these teams has been really, really insightful. Um, and getting to hear what some of these teams think and do, it's, it's pretty interesting. It, you'd be surprised, you know, a lot of the stuff that he talks about that we, you know, that I tweet about, that, you know, a lot of the analytics folks tweet about every week. They don't, you know, a lot of these coaches are like, the, you know, they don't really pay attention to that stuff. That I mean, when when I used to laugh when I'd say uh, when I'd hear, oh, coaches don't read Twitter, they don't they don't listen to the radio, they don't listen to the media. I mean, they actually don't because some of the stuff that seems pretty obvious, um, you know, they are like, wow, that's interesting data. I didn't realize that, and it's like, well, that's been out there for a couple of years, and it seems pretty pretty obvious. But um, so um, you know, as much as we can, we try to give give that insight. So. Um, but anyway, it's been it's been a good couple of years and, uh, um, you know, Warren and his team, you know, great, great set of guys. So I've been really happy there. That's so cool to have that level of access to, you know, what might go on in, you know, in the very highest levels of an NFL team. And on that note, I'd like to bridge the gap into your betting process, because if you're able to help inform how an actual NFL team is going to game plan for a week, then that speaks to the high level of betting. When it comes to the NFL specifically, could you describe the types of bets that you generally make and also how those might be informed by your handicapping process? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of different types, right? So um, I think I do pretty good in terms of uh, futures. Um, I've hit a couple of uh, long shot futures uh, throughout the years. Uh, you know, Warren and I both loved uh, Stefanski to win coach of the year last year. That was a 25 to one hit. Um, you know, I hit Dak Prescott. I kind of got lucky in that one. I hit Dak Prescott a few years ago, rookie of the year. It was over a hundred to one. Um, you know, like, so, so some of it is just purely just watching the games, watching college, um, kind of coming into, um, guys coming into the NFL, at least having some knowledge and background of their, their play. But, um, really, you know, in this, this, um, extends out to golf and some other sports. Uh, I think I, I apply a lot of what I do in the investment world and in my real you know, day job um, to the NFL in terms of, 
you know, taking a big universe of, of options and narrowing it down, filtering it to, you know, a couple of buckets or a bucket that, you know, you really, really can dig deep into um, and, and really do your analysis. And some of that just based on historical trends and things like that. So like, you know, God, coach of the year is, is a perfect example. So like I, I actually have the data, um, but, and I've tweeted about it. I mean, if, if it's one thing, um, you know, I, I've heard other podcasts and other kind of national groups, you know, do stuff like um, futures and, Hey, well, you know, let me, let me, I think this coach of the year, this guy could be coach of the year. And it's like, it doesn't fit any of the criteria um, historically, you know, like the last 13 coaches of the year won at least 10 games, right? So you got to find a, a coach that or a team that you think can win at least 10 games. Uh, but the average win total prior to winning um, was just over seven games. So they weren't expected to be a playoff team. You know, none had a win, win total of over nine and a half. So you can eliminate just doing that, just doing a little bit of research. I know that any anybody with a win total over nine and a half should just be cut, should be gone, right? So that's like, you know, a quarter of the league almost, um, or maybe a little less, but, you know, that's a big chunk of the league that you can just kind of get rid of. And then, you know, the average win improvement is over six games and the prior year, you know, win uh, number of wins is just over six. So you're talking about a team that's not expected to do well, um, that only won, you know, about six, seven, five, you know, six, seven games at, at most the prior year. Um, six of the third of the last 13 were first year head coaches. It's kind of a cherry on top, but you can narrow your universe to a very manageable list. And so not even just coach of the year, but you can do that with, you know, MVP, you can do that with, you know, rookies of the year, like all those sorts of things, um, from a futures perspective, um, to me really helped me kind of hone in. So like I can get my, you know, list, my universe of 32 coaches, for example, down to like five or six. Right. And then I just use my, you know, what I know of those teams and my thoughts of those teams and, you know, what I'm willing to risk and all those sorts of things to come up with, with my futures bet. So like, that's, you know, that's a kind of a simple way. And I don't think a lot of people do that. Um, just look at, look at history. There's so much data out there and there are so many resources. Like if you just do a little bit of homework and a little bit of research, you can find these trends and the types of characteristics to help you win um, any sort of award, for example, in the NFL. So I, so I've got that, that I do. And then, um, you know, in the NFL, when it comes to just standard game and total, I do a lot less totals um, work than I do games. I, I think I'm really good on the side perspective. I think I've had one losing year in the last like eight or nine years. And I post all my, I mean, you followed me for a while. I post all my picks on Twitter. Like this is complete transparency. So, um, and I'm not one of those guys that um, uh, puts up fake, you know, fake lines or anything like that. Like this is when I, when I bet it, I post it. And so, you know, everyone can see, um, you know, how I do. And so, um, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of that just comes from my background in doing research for, um, you know, my, my daytime job. Um, you know, we have to do diligence on these deals on investments and it's a lot, there's a lot of carryover there. Um, you know, in just terms of, I've learned a lot. I mean, like, like I mentioned the very beginning when I started you know, first betting in the NFL, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, you know, picking teams that I liked and it was favorites and overs, right? Like, so what everybody starts off with, cause that's what they know. I think the biggest misconception is, and the thing that I had to really learn along the way is that not every team plays exactly up to their stats, right. Or to what they've done in the past. Like just because a team is 10 and 0 facing a team that's two and 10 doesn't mean the team that's 10 and 0 is always going to blow out the two and 10 team, right? Like that's when I was younger, that was like always the thought that, if you're a high-powered offense, if you have these things, these characteristics, you're always going to 100% play to that characteristic. The more and more I thought about it, it's like there's very specific types of, you know, matchups or 
um, you can't always assume that the the teams are going to play up or you know play up to their capabilities. So, um, you know, being able to be aware of that, going a little more contrarian, knowing that the market always kind of shades to the favorites, um, you know, I think is is important. But then really digging into why teams have certain, um, you know, where they came from. So who did, who have they faced? So for deeper in the season, you know, what does their strength of schedule look like? What is, you know, if their strength is running the football, right. And they've just been pounding teams. If you're the Ravens, you've just been pounding teams to submission, you know, who have they played? Have they played the, the 10 worst run defenses in the NFL or have they played a really tough schedule? You know um, you know, there are some players, some quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky, for example, who has clear as day, splits between uh facing poor defenses versus good defenses like he cannot beat a good defense to save his life but against the detroit lions of the world he puts up monster numbers and so like you get like these trends and these situations and just knowing and i watch every i mean i literally watch every game every single week um whether it's live if it's on red zone if it's on um you know game plan whatever it is like i've watched so many games throughout my life i make a joke but you know i joke with people about how you know why don't coaches know how to, you know, to go for it fourth down? Why don't they know these situations? Why can't they call timeouts correctly? And I, I, I look, I tweet way too much about that stuff. I, I fully admit it. Um, but it's true that these coaches coach their singular game every single week. They don't watch other games. Uh, I know coach, I actually know a defensive coordinator in the league. He doesn't watch. He watches maybe the Monday night game, but that's it. He only, he only coaches his game. So I've watched way more games, way more football than an average NFL coach, which is crazy to think. So situationally, like we have more insight. So anyway, like not to go on a tangent, that's, that's, you know, different subject, but you know, I just watch, I've watched so many games in my life that I I can, um, you know, I can see, you know, how teams are playing maybe, um, you know, uh, if there's some false, some false stats. If you know, there's some kind of garbage time stats, um, things like that that you can eliminate. Now that there are stat, there there are um, resources out there that you can eliminate some of that stuff. But um, so it's it's a whole sort of uh, it's a whole set of of information. I don't have a model that I've you know. There's some really good models out there that just rely on their numbers and they swear by it and they kind of go blindly by it. I don't do that. I have a model. It can it's kind of like a check for me, um, but that's not 100. percent I'm I'm kind of half numbers modeling based half uh, qualitative right like i i think there are things like letdowns i think there are things like look aheads not i don't blindly again i don't blindly bet those or fade those but those things matter like those things are important i, I know players who ex players who tell me like yeah like if we're if we just had a big game and we're playing you know the jacksonville jaguars the next week like maybe i'm not 100% focused on the week like that stuff happens and so it's hard to quantify but you just kind of know it when you see it add that to what the market's doing Add that to, I think, by the biggest inefficiency and something I've done a lot more of lately, it's injury reports, um, really focusing on offensive lines, pass rush, secondaries. Like, are there cluster injuries there um, that you're not going to read about really anywhere? Like, no one talks about the the, the guard uh, on the Raiders, right, or who the backup is. Like, doing a lot of that analysis. So it's not just one thing that I do. It's a whole, like – potpourri of things and like there are times i don't even have an opinion on a side until i start doing a little more work and it just kind of starts piling on and i was like you know what i think this side doesn't make sense let me dig in a little bit more and so anyway it's a long-winded answer but there's really no one way to handicap i don't think there's one right way to do it i think you need to be open to qualitative and quantitative and you need to know why things happen you know why is a team in a position that they are they're in at that point um did they get lucky did they face an easy schedule, a tough schedule, whatever it is. I think that all has to be uh, a factor. 
Um, and then again, just the, the injury factor that I don't think enough people really pay attention to. All that kind of helps, for me, handicap the uh, an NFL side especially. Yeah, there is so much good stuff there. A lot to unpack. Uh, one <laughs> Sorry thing for being I'd so like long-winded. To... I have a lot to... <laughs> No, this this is excellent. So and I, I want to get every bit of insight that we can out of this conversation. So thank you for that. One thing I'd like to circle back on is you mentioned trends a few times when it came to mainly futures and the awards, like coach of the year, rookie of the year, mm-hmm. MVP. And I think for a lot of betters who have experienced some level of success or been in it long enough and, and consumed enough reputable content, trends can often be almost a an undesirable word. The connotation isn't great. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. When we're looking at markets like spreads and totals, I mean, I heard somebody mentioning uh, why they liked a basketball game last night. And it was because one team had done really well against the spread recently at home and the road team had been struggling its last 10 games on the road. It's like, yeah, you think the, you know, the rest of the market and the odds makers don't know that. But when it comes to these awards, Trends can be a lot more important because there are people voting on them that, you know, they might not be as sharp or efficient in their thought process as the betting market for sites where you can get down six figures on a Sunday morning if you want to. So if I feel like if the coach of the year award were done, you know, right in my mind, why wouldn't Bill Belichick have way more than he does? Why wouldn't LeBron and, you know, Michael Jordan going to another sport? Why wouldn't they have way more MVP awards than they do? There's you know, a desire to see the unexpected, like you said, it's, it's almost an element of surprise and people maybe give too much credit to taking a team from six and 10 to 10 and six, I guess we'll have to make those numbers add up to 17 moving forward. That's a fun new wrinkle, but, but yeah, knowing that trends do matter when it comes to the, you know, the human consciousness that goes into determining some of these awards. And I, and I, I hope, I totally hope that I didn't misconstrue when I talk about trends. Cause like, like you said, like the the ATS trends and the, those those types of things you can throw out the window, and you know I've seen the old school like oh a, a team off of uh, rushing for two hundred yards versus a defense that allowed a hundred you know like those things are bogus like I'm not talking about that I'm just talking about from the futures perspective and it's not okay so this uh, you know the type it's it's a characteristic right like I said it's a filtering of the universe like I know that. Um, Every single defensive rookie of the year, I think since 1995, has been a first-round pick except for three linebackers. Like, that's just a fact. Like, I'm not – and it could be just completely out of nowhere a seventh-round seventh, seventh round defensive back wins it this year. I'll take my chances that that's not going to happen. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's fine. But I need to give myself as a better I – I have to give myself a chance. And that's all I'm looking for is give myself a high probability of finding – the group of guys that give you the best chance to, to hit that future. Like that's all I'm looking for. And same thing with, I do that with golf. Like you're talking about a universe of over a hundred players sometimes in a golf event, right? How do, how, where do you start? Like, I don't know where to start if I didn't know how to do this because this is what I do in my real life. When, when I look at stocks, you know, there's thousands and thousands of stocks. Like how did I find, you know, when I 20 years ago and I started working for an investment firm and we had to kind of have a portfolio of 30 stocks. How do I find it? I had to filter the universe down based on characteristics that I thought were successful for uh, a company or stock. And it's based on, you know, how much debt do they have? What's the size of the, the company? Are they growing every year? What's the, the valuation metrics? Like all these things. And they gave me a universe, a manageable universe, where then I dug in and looked at the company themselves. And I look at the Sometimes I look at the, you know, the golf market similarly and same with the futures market. Like, give me the 100 golfers 
let me narrow it down based on you know type uh, types of characteristics that usually win at this event or this course um whatever it might be you know maybe they have no top tens you know deep into a season like i'm not i'm gonna assume they're not gonna get a, uh they're not gonna win this event right like it's just it's not a tough leap like let me take that 100 golfers get it down to like 20 that maybe have a chance to win i think and then let me dig into okay how are they really playing what are their um, specific metrics and that's the same thing with the futures market and so again it's not a trend as in you know, a uh, home team is covered eight times in a row. So that means the ninth is going to cover or even has a high probability like that. It's not. These are more like uh, um, just narrowing the universe to uh, a bucket of options that at least have a higher probability of winning than than not. And that's really all you want to do. Yeah. And I love that concept of using trends, not in the way that so many do across the sports media landscape, but more as a filter yeah. so that for for awards like this, to your point, they can go so many different ways and it's easy to try to, you know, box things out and data mine and think in absolutes. But um, I didn't mean in any way to call you out for using oh, no. the word trends. Yeah. I thought of it more as a way to really just use it as a light bulb moment in my own mind yep. as somebody who tries not to think in absolutes, knowing that most of the time, if you hear a trend, you might want to go the other way, but that's not always the case. And when it comes to these futures markets, that sounds like such a strong application to use them just as a filter. So you can you can really narrow it down to a universe where it's not 100 percent of the likelihood um, mm -hmm. it is in a smaller subset. But but, a, you know, maybe proportionally, you're getting a lot more value just by applying a simple filter. Yeah. I mean, look at the MVP market like you. I think like all but one of the last like 15 NFL MVPs been quarterbacks like and this is and it's more and more now than it was in the past. You used to have more running backs. I think Adrian Peterson's the only one who's won it recently. And it's like, okay, like I can, am I going to spend all this time looking at running backs to have a shot to win? Like, I, I, why would I do that when it just historically, it just doesn't prove out. And especially in, we know the NFL is a quarterback is a passing league and just the mentality. So like, why would I waste my time doing that? Let me look at just the quarterbacks and within quarterbacks, you got to win. I think every quarterback's won at least 11 games in the last like 20 years who's won the MVP. So let me, and based on my numbers or my rankings or whatever, I can narrow that down and now I can really dig in and, and come up with reasonable expectations for finding the MVP. Like the, I think it just helps you as a better. Um, otherwise I don't even know where you would start with stuff like that. Like what, like it just feels like it's just overwhelming. Um, but that's the best way. I think I do that with a lot of things, uh, not just in sports betting, but like I said, in my real you know, work and just in everyday life, if I could ever narrow stuff down um, to manageable lists, if I have a list of things to do, like I can maybe push off a few things that I know I don't have to deal with for, for a while and maybe focus on the things I got to deal with in the near term. You could do that with any stage of life. So I think um, it's kind of a, a, something that I've, I've built up and used throughout uh, kind of everyday life. Goodbye. Okay, and speaking of everyday life, it's time to get back to it for now. In next week's episode, I'll share the rest of my conversation with Cleve TA, including plenty of NFL bets plus some beer talk. We'll also get into the Sharp Football Analysis 2021 Football Preview Book, as well as Cleve TA's new website, cleveanalytics.com. In the meantime, I'd highly encourage you to learn more about each of these via the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this week's episode, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Alright, that'll do it for now. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week with part two of my conversation with Cleve TA. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well.
red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and thanks to Dimers.com's partnership with DraftKings, new customers who bet $1 on any basketball team can get $100 in free bets if their team wins. Here's how it works in three steps. Step one, head to dkng.co slash dimers and create your new DraftKings Sportsbook account. Step two, make a deposit of $5 or more and a money line bet of at least $1 on any NBA game for the rest of the playoffs. Step three, if your team wins, you'll be issued a $100 bonus. So get in on the action at dkng.co slash dimers. You can find a link in the show notes. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, or Michigan. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, or call or text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 21 plus New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, Iowa, Colorado, Illinois, Tennessee, Michigan, and Virginia only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. One per user. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details.